Welcome back to another episode of My Mess is My Message. My name is Allie, and I'm so excited that you guys are all tuning in today. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Jess, who is a yoga instructor, speech therapist, and integrative nutrition health coach. During the episode, she shares with us why she pursued each of these careers, as well as how she balances it all with her busy schedule. We talk in depth about slowing down, breath work, letting go of things you can't control, and so much more. She also gives us a glimpse into how she discovered her niche in the wellness space and the importance of a regulated nervous system and how to actually regulate it. She also talks about all the things that she learned through her health coaching program, as well as how food can really be used as medicine and improve the quality of your life. It's such a great episode that not only would have helped me years ago, but also provides so much helpful advice to me today. And I think you guys can all benefit from listening. So I can't wait for you to all listen. So let's get into it. Hey, Jessica, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Well, I really am excited that you're on today. Um, and I'm excited to learn more about what you do. So if you want to start by just introducing yourself to the audience, a little, just telling them a little bit more about who you are. Yeah, that sounds great. So I'm, you can call me Jess. Um, I always say when people say Jessica, I feel like I'm in trouble. <laughs> like it's my mom talking to me. <laughs> so I'm Jess. I'm from Pittsburgh. I live in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I'm a couple different things. I'm a speech therapist. Um, I'm a yoga instructor and I'm a health and stress management coach or an integrative nutrition coach. There's so many names, but I, my niche, my focus is on health and stress management. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm so curious to learn more about like each specific career that you have, but I am very interested in the health aspect just because I am also studying to become an integrative nutrition health coach right now. Oh, through, awesome. I think the same program you may have gone through the IIN. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. But yeah, so how do you manage your time with all three of them? And like, <laughs> would you spend like a percentage more on each career? Like, how do you balance it all? Yeah, that's like such a good question. And that's like, yeah, it's like the defining part of my life right now is like finding that balance. Um, I, well, first of all, it's impossible to do all of it in like their full-time capacities. So I have it all kind of broken up into part-time segments. And that was really something that like I had to do from a health standpoint for myself and like a stress standpoint, but I've realized it's easier to do a little bit of everything and try to keep it organized than try to do a lot of all of it. And, you know, I'm trying not to worry about the speed of how it all grows rather than, you know, I'm just giving quality time to each. So balance being organized and like not trying to force everything to be done at like this high level is really important right now. But I mean, I, I do spend a good amount of time still being a speech therapist. You know, that's what I went to school for six years to be. It's, you know, what gives me stability, but I wasn't fulfilled or satisfied doing that full time. I felt like as wonderful as a profession as it is, it's very specific in terms of how you help people. And I just wanted to be able to address things from like a more holistic, well-rounded perspective. So I still utilize it, but I, I don't do that full time anymore, which has opened all this space for teaching yoga and working with people in the health and stress management aspect. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I can com completely relate to like what you're talking about, because I have a full time job, like a nine to five, which I really like, and I enjoy doing, but it doesn't fulfill me in the way I like, 
you know, helping other people does, which, cause I don't really, I'm not in that close contact with the end result. So I don't feel like I'm serving as many people. And that's why I'm hoping to get certified to become a health coach. And then also through the podcast. So I feel like I'm in the same boat where it's like, obviously I know my priority is my full-time job because that is with paying the bills. Um, and I, and I committed to that, but I also want to also start, you know, exploring the health coaching as well as the podcast, but it's definitely like trying to figure it's like, it's a game trying to figure out how to balance it all because I want to be able to like put as much energy into all of it, but that's just not how it works. So it's been a journey figuring that out, but I feel like I'm figuring it out. I do work remotely, which makes that a little bit easier to manage, but, um, so I can relate to that completely. Yeah. And I, one thing I would just say, because I I'm in it, like, and I, you know, I've been there, I'm in it now. It's hard when you're trying to like build something on your own. It's hard to justify like your time that you're not with your main job and you're not working on the job that you're growing, but give yourself time to like do nothing and be apart from both of those instead of feeling guilty. Cause at least maybe you don't, but for me, it's like, I'm sitting on my couch. I could be like writing a blog post or reaching out to studios in my area to do a workshop, but not all the time that you're not in your nine to five job has to be given to the other jobs. And I've been working through that. <laughs> and I can also relate to that because I'm, I'm, I'm also someone who maybe you can relate to that. where like, I feel like I need to always be doing something, especially if I have the time. So it's like, remembering that like, it's okay to rest and like have the off days, even though I have the time to lean into one of the three different things, I don't necessarily need to, but I also am working through that guilt. Cause I'm just someone who wants to make sure I'm doing all that I can. Um, but what kind of led you to go the health coaching route as well as the yoga instructor? Yeah. So each like career path kind of segued into the next in a way. I've always been drawn to careers that were, that spoke to like my nature to be a caretaker of some kind and like a nurturer and an educator. So I was always drawn to, you know, this like realm of how to work with people. Um, Being a speech therapist, I learned a lot about like the nervous system from a more medical perspective, but was super fascinated by it but simultaneously was feeling like not fully satisfied. Like I kind of touched on earlier, Um, you know, just spending all of my energy and time working in that one capacity. So I was already very involved in my yoga practice. It started when I was around like 18. So for almost 10 years had already kind of learned a lot about it and known that I wanted to use it to help people And they don't really hire you in the hospitals to work as a speech therapist and a yoga instructor. So I just started looking at how to branch out and do my own thing on the side. Um, I was experiencing my own health issues when I was pretty like unhappy with my full-time job. And so that kind of led me down the path of health coaching because I was trying to find people who would work with me and help me move through these challenges. But then I was also, you know, doing them and thinking, I wish I could do this with my patients. So it kind of all came together that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so just speaking more on like the yoga side of things, just for like 
me, honestly, in the audience. So what are the different routes that you can go with yoga? Because I feel like there are so many different types of yoga. There are so many types of yoga and they're not all, you don't have to ever really like do a physical practice to practice yoga. There's, there's the world of yoga like you see on Instagram where it's all, and it's fun, but it's all like flowing and poses and things like that. But then there's this other side of yoga that doesn't require a physical practice. So I think that's important for people to know. Um, in terms of the physical realm, I love vinyasa yoga. So that's when you're like flowing with your breath. There's yin yoga where you're more focused on these long holds that help build like strong connective tissue. There's restorative yoga where if you just need like an opportunity to rest and find some relief physically and mentally, then restorative yoga is great. Um, those are just some examples. The non-physical yoga that's, you know, like meditation, breath work, and just like these really nice principles to have in your life, like doing no harm to yourself, to others, um, building self-awareness, things like that, finding contentment. There's a, there's, it's like such a huge topic that it's hard to tell people where to start, but um, there's a few voices out there that are in books on Instagram, things like that. I would recommend looking at her name is Susanna Barkataki. She has a great book. There's Giovanna Heyman, Sean Korn. They really helped me like figure out the path that I wanted to go with such a big practice of yoga. Yeah, no, that's super helpful. And I personally, I don't do like yoga physical, I feel like yoga, but I definitely practice like meditation and I found so much value in like how it really like makes you slow down and really get in touch with like your intuition and what you're really like yeah. thinking about, which I think is so powerful. But if you want to share just with the audience more about the power of breath work and meditation. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to. So your breath is so connected to your nervous system and you really, to have that nice um, balance from, we can be in fight and flight mode so often, to be able to shift into the rest and digest mode, our bodies really appreciate conscious, deep breaths. And so, you know, being able to build that connection and just giving your mind something else to focus on, whether it's two minutes or 20 minutes where you're taking all kinds of options in terms of breath exercises that can really help your nervous system regulate itself. And it doesn't have to be like a big complex practice. It can be done, like I said, in short bursts. It can be done while you're sending an email, just starting to build that like conscious connection with your mind and your body using your breath. It sounds so simple, but it can make a really big difference. It, it truly can because I feel like for a lot of my life, I struggled with a lot of anxiety and then I found this practice of like meditation because I feel like I was always honestly in fight and or fight, flight and what is it? Fight or flight. Yeah. Fight or flight. I was always in that because I felt like I would just like wouldn't stop moving. Like I always had to be doing stuff and like I didn't feel like I was being productive unless I like was doing stuff. So I felt like finding meditation really allowed me to slow, slow down and really get in like honestly get a better handle on my anxiety because I... I feel like I don't get really as honestly anxious at all, like to things that used to cause me anxiety. And I feel like whenever I start to get a little overwhelmed or something, I just like take a step away and really just like breathe and like, just like, like, just like 
step away because it really it just helps you process it a lot better to be honest yeah that's so true and like just giving yourself a moment to pause you can start to give your nervous system a chance to work with your brain here and figure out if what's stressing you out is like truly a threat and and how big of a threat is it because that's how our nervous system looks at everything is is this a threat that I need to react to so that I can keep us alive and keep us okay and so our bodies have like the same response to maybe an angry email from our boss that it would to like a smoke alarm going off in your apartment sometimes and so using your breath using meditation anything that like lets you pump the brakes is just so calming to your nervous system and it helps build that resilience so in the future it knows okay is this a threat if yes let's do what we need to do and then we can recover from it or is this a threat no okay let's let's down regulate and let's come back to center <laughs> so yeah like just like what you said in short meditation breath work are great tools for that and it's it's not always the case. Sometimes like if you're you're in a high stress situation, just going to a dark corner and like breathing or meditating might not, it might be the opposite of what you need. It might trigger you. You have to get rid of the stress response and then use something like that to bring yourself back to balance. So hopefully that wasn't too much information, but I love everything you said and could speak on it forever. <laughs> Yeah. And I completely agree. And so I know you started talking about it a little bit, but like, how can someone get started with breath work or meditation if they have no idea where to begin? Yes. So this isn't always accessible, but if it is, I recommend finding someone you can work with one-on-one -on -one that can, you know, any example of yoga, but this goes for breath work and meditation too. They, they can take kind of like detailed note of like where you're at with life right now. If it's a yoga session, they'll want to know what parts of your body's your body is tight or tender. If it's a breath work or meditation facilitator, they'll probably want to know like a gentle history into your like mental health and trauma so they can avoid doing anything that's triggering. And so the reason I encourage people to try to find someone to work with individually is because when we go to these group, like boutique classes, they're wonderful, but there can be a lot of pressure to just conform to what the teacher's telling you to do. And you don't necessarily have the space or the voice. I mean, you always do, but it's not comfortable to say, you know, this isn't feeling good for me. So if it's not accessible to find someone you can work with one-on-one, -on -one, just go on YouTube and there's so many free resources. My Instagram page has a lot of free short exercises you can try. Kind of like dabble here and there. See what, see what felt good, see what didn't make a difference, see what felt bad, and kind of try to keep learning in that direction. Um, yeah, but in short, see if you can find someone who's accessible to you and of course, I love to work with people. I do it remotely too. It doesn't have to be in Baltimore, but um, yeah, that's my starting point usually. Yeah, that's super helpful. And I know you talked about like regulating your nervous system, but what can you talk more about just the importance of like doing that and how to regulate it? Yeah, definitely. So 
Um, when I was talking earlier, I kind of mentioned a regulated nervous system can bounce back from stress and can um, recover from stress and then can work with your mind to know if in the future what's happening might be a true threat or it might be something that we can kind of move through without as big of a reaction. Um, in general, though, when we're detecting some kind of threat, we either, I'm, I'm going to go off of what's called the polyvagal theory right now. So we either have our dorsal vagal response turned on, which can make us feel like we're shut down, frozen. It can look like feelings of being stuck or hopeless. And it can be like physically hard to move or respond. Um, kind of the opposite response to stress, but still dysregulated would be your sympathetic nervous system. So your fight or flight. So we all know what that feels like. We're angry, irritable. We want to get away. We say some things we don't mean. Our heart rate goes up. It's like the counter to being shut down. The place we want to be is in our ventral vagal response. So that's a different branch um, in your vagus nerve. This is, I don't want to get too sciencey, but your vagus nerve is your 10th cranial nerve and it's huge. It touches many parts of your body and it kind of helps your nervous system decide which way it's going to respond to stress. So the ventral vagal, think of like your heart being at the front of your body. You're open to connect with people. You're feeling calm and at ease, joyful. We obviously can't live in that state forever. And the goal isn't to eradicate stress and to never have those other two responses happen. But a strong nervous system can help pull you to that ventral vagal response when it's time. A lot of times we just get stuck either in the sympathetic fight or flight or the dorsal vagal that freeze, shut down. Sometimes we faint, things like that. We can get stuck there. So yes, a long answer, but there's, there's a lot of tools. You basically want to counter where you are. So if you're feeling super shut down, you want to take some gentle practices to guide your body towards a safe, more activated state. If you're super activated, you want to take some small practices to gently cool off basically. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And since like discovering yoga and practicing yoga, what have been like your, like the, like the most impactful things that have come from it on your life? For me, the first time I really felt like I noticed that there's a connection between my mind and my body and that I like knew what it felt like to be in my body and out of my head was when I was really diving into yoga. So of course there's the physical benefits that we hear about, like it's good for your joints, your muscles, your heart, your mental health, etc. But it's, I think when we are all more embodied humans, we're better towards each other. So I noticed that it made me love myself more. It made me love other people more. It taught me to have, um, you know, to try to release the attachments to things that I can't control, but to take compassionate action towards the things that I can have an impact on and not just for me, but for other people. And I think like that sometimes is the piece of 
yoga that we miss or that isn't like glamorized on social media like the physical aspect of yoga is um the overall benefit is that yeah you just get more in touch with your true self and that makes us better humans to each other ideally <laughs> yeah absolutely and I know you mentioned it helps you like let go of the things you can't control I feel like that's something I've gotten better at but that's something I've always struggled with I feel like I've always been someone to like hold onto life so tightly mm-hmm. but like so how did yoga help you let go of things that you can't control well I think like one first step was my nervous system got more regulated because it was a tool that worked for me. It might not for everybody, but it like, it, like I said, brought me out of my mind and into my body and it brought me more into that ventral vagal state. And when I'm not there, I know how I can try to use my breath, movement, things like that to bring me there. And when you're in that state of like being at ease and you're feeling peace, you're generally more like just open to life. (laughs) But when you're in the state of like resistance and you're in fight or flight or you're like shut down and feeling hopeless, then from those places, it's a lot easier to try to either force things or just like kind of give up. And so Mm -hmm. to me, like that idea of non-attachment comes from a place of like surrender, you know, and that's something that like, yeah, at the end of every practice when you're in Shavasana, like that's, that's what you're doing. (laughs) You're like just letting it all go. And so having that opportunity, it just kind of builds that habit. Definitely. I mean, I can speak to like being in both. I feel like I've experienced, you know, like both like sides of it, like the states of it. And I feel like I can just see things so much more in a reasonable light and with a Mm. different perspective when I'm calmer versus when I'm overwhelmed or stressed, I am not going to be reasonable as if I was in that calm state. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I will say that for me, letting go really came from surrendering um, in my, in my faith, just to God Mm -hmm. with like through Christianity, but like Mm -hmm. just to a higher power of some kind, knowing that like I'm not in control has really helped me like kind of let go of that stuff. Um, Obviously there's still times where I hold on to things too tightly, but like (laughs) that has definitely helped me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's exactly what it is. It's just an opportunity or like a modality to, you know, just like merge with your experience rather than try to force something. And if you struggle with like perfectionism or being burnt out or I don't really like this as a negative label, but like a type A personality, things like that, where there's just like a lot of activated energy, um, then it it's hard to just like give up the control. But that's usually the, the perfect opportunity to try to use these things. Yeah. And it's so refreshing too, because you realize once you let it go, you're like, oh my God, life is so much easier. <laughs> it's like, I don't need to stress all the time about that working out. Cause if it doesn't, there's like something better coming for me mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and looking at it in that light. Um, but shifting over just to health coaching. So yeah. I know you found your niche. Like how did you find your niche in health coaching? Cause it can be so broad. Yes. Um, so I think it was, like I said earlier, there's just been this like natural segue and it was multifaceted I think because I had had education in the nervous system already 
because I was using yoga as a way to help people de-stress. It's like, it's more complex than that, but I'll just say (laughs) de-stress. And then I was also super stressed, super dysregulated and experiencing a lot of the like more physical medical consequences of that, like all the inflammation. It was just a natural path. They all kind of like fit together nicely where I knew that, yeah, the lesson in all of it was to approach working with the nervous system in a different way and less, okay, this is going to help someone speak and swallow as a speech therapist, not just that, but also this is going to help someone like experience more joy in life or hopefully find more better physical health if they're suffering with inflammation and things like that. So there really wasn't any other niche that I considered. And by focusing on the nervous system, you get to improve everything else because every function of our body is affected by the nervous system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, from doing the IIN course and everything that you've learned just like throughout your life, what have been some of like the, the things that you've held onto the most that have really helped you in your daily life? Um, so I think, I think having this approach of like using food as um, a way to improve your quality of life or not, and not just in the way of like your diet. Cause I don't really like, I don't really work with diets. You know, I think of food as a way to improve your quality of life nutritionally and like just for your soul. And so that's been kind of like, proven to me over and over again, the more I learn, the more I work in this area. Um, as a speech therapist, I, keep, I feel like I keep going back to it, but it's like, it's how it all started for me. So, you know, we help people with challenges swallowing. And so I saw the direct correlation between like not being able to nourish themselves in a social way and use it as a tool of connecting with people and how that directly impacts their quality of life. And so working in this realm now in the more like holistic side of things, I don't really want to push the idea of good food versus bad food, this diet versus this diet. What I've learned most is like everything has to be really individualized and the goal should be overall health, which includes like joy and relationships and time outside, all the things you're learning about right now in IIN um, and how certain foods make you feel. So yeah, in short, I've learned it's just, you know, connect with the person you're working with as a human first, and then the puzzle pieces of how to guide them through their nutrition and lifestyle choices will come. Definitely. I know it's it's so interesting. Well, because I know I've recently learned in IIN course how the primary food is like what you mentioned, the relationships, the mm-hmm. co- like the connection, the finances, the career, mm-hmm. like those things need to honestly, you need to conquer that before, you know, tackling the diet because even with a perfect diet, you will not be living a happy, healthy life. The primary things need to come first. Exactly. Um, so I found that so interesting, but I know like you mentioned just like how well, so what we, I, another thing that we just learned is how the eating by the rainbow, which I find so interesting. 
we just talked about how like every vegetable, every fruit, every color has like a purpose and how each one correlates to like the brain or helps yeah. with like skin or something like that. Yeah. So I found that super interesting. And I know you kind of talk about on your platform a little bit, like food is medicine. Uh-huh. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. I think I don't want to be too redundant, but when I think about food as medicine, I think about it the way I kind of like just described what I've learned the most is that food is medicine, but not just for those like nutrients and the calories and the nutritional value, but also for like your quality of life and how we really should try to break away from the mindset of good versus bad. And like what the kind of medicine everyone needs is different. And everyone's so individual and we need to just try to focus less on these like super black or white categories and try to meet people where they're at because in reality like there's there's differences in who has access to what kind of food and I think everyone's trying their best and we just have to try to support that and you know recognize that food is really a way to improve someone's quality of life plain and simple it can be because of their health and it can be because of their joy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Did you always have like a healthy relationship with food or is that something that like you learned throughout life or is that something that you always had? I definitely didn't. I wouldn't say it was an area that like I suffered with too much. My dad was like a health nut, (laughs) which taught me good things. Um, you know, like learning how to feed myself in a way that was healthy and what foods to somewhat avoid. But then I, you know, sometimes missed out on like the food just being a source of joy. Because ultimately, if you're so worried about what this Starbucks drink is going to do, because it has a little bit of high fructose corn corn syrup, if that's like really stressing you out, that's going to be just as much, if not more inflammatory than the sugar. And of course, like I'm not, I'm not a health coach who's just encouraging people to go eat and drink whatever they want. But I first prioritize on like the mindset around all of it. And if we were talking about attachment earlier, if you're like gripping so hard on making a good choice and not wanting to do something wrong, then that's counterproductive to like helping your body heal. So I, my relationship with food was never negative. It was always pretty neutral, but I think having that like boredom with food sometimes because we were so focused on eating healthy, it, yeah, it gave me like the flip side of the coin so that I can try to help people from that perspective too. Definitely. I only ask because um, I was going to ask to like, because I struggled with different eating disorders. Yeah. I've now, you know, like, you know, not like I've healed from that. Like I've healed mm-hmm. them from them, like mentally, physically from that. But I think it is like such a mindset, like your mindset around food and your relationship with food is so important. And that's really what correlates to them eating disorders and everything, but is there any mind shift mindset shifts that you like recommend to people surrounding food? That makes sense. Yeah. I think it's going to be what I'm about to say is like surrounding food, but also like wellness in general, (laughs) sit with the idea that like 
less is more and you don't have to change everything all at once and you don't have to go buy five supplements and I don't know, five new skincare things or five new workout classes. And I think when I was like dealing with the inflammation that was really messing up like my hormones and my skin and my digestion, I tried to address all of it at the same time. And it was, it was just like, it was way too much for my body to process. And I never knew what the root cause of anything was. So I would start with just focusing on your stress levels first and then take it from there. So when it comes to your diet, like, are you really stressed when you're eating? Are you really rushed when you're eating? Have some intuitive eating going on where you can think about, in general, when I eat this, does it usually make me feel good? Does it make me feel bad? If it makes me feel bad, is it coming from a place of self-judgment or is it coming from a place of like, no, my digestive system just like doesn't like this food. And yeah, I would start, I would start with the idea of you don't have to fix it all at once. Keep the changes simple and start with focusing on stress around food and how you might minimize that by having like more of a mindful connection with what you're eating. I hope that answered your question. It totally answered my question. And I think that's like what you said is so important. And I think we like overcomplicate health a lot of times just because what we see in the media, there's so many supplements, there's you, so many different wellness trends. Like there's so many things that you yeah. could be doing, but it's like, if you think back, the basics is what really help you live a healthy life. Like, like hundreds of years ago, people were not doing some of the crazy things people are doing today. <laughs> So it's like, and it's like, red sauna. <laughs> I know exactly. It's like, is that really necessary? And it's funny because when you go back and then we kind of forget, we get lost in like what our body actually needs and what our body like craves. And I think you have to sometimes block out the noise of like what's on social media or what other people are doing. And like you said, it's like very individualized, like everyone's very different. So it's really important to get intuitive, like in tune with like your body and yeah. what your mind is thinking about all of it. Right. Yes. Yeah. I'm on the same page. You're going to be a great health coach. <laughs> uh, oh, thanks. I hope so. Is there anything like you do on a daily basis or a weekly basis that, that you do for your health? Yes. Yes. I, I definitely, I prioritize a few things. Sleep, starting the morning in a way that's not going to like add to the natural cortisol spike that we already have. So not wanting to add more stress hormones on top of the naturally occurring stress hormones in the morning. Cause I used to wake up and just be so anxious. And that was at a different time in my life where I wasn't like honoring any of this part of me, but I, I like, because of that experience really focus on like gentle mornings now um, so sleep, having, like I said, a routine to start the day and ideally wind down the day. I'm not as good with that one as I wish I was. <laughs> Time outside every day, preferably in the morning, because when you do that, the sunlight in your eyes, it helps your circadian rhythm so that you can make melatonin at the right time and fall asleep at the right time later in the day. And as simple as it sounds, like just spending time with my dog, if anyone that I know listens to this, they're going to roll their eyes because I'm like overly 
in love with my dog. <laughs> but like one of the primary foods being like joy in relationships, like he just he just gives me that. Like he I love taking care of him and I he he knows how to like cuddle me and take care of me. <laughs> so yeah, sleep, time in nature, a stress reducing morning routine and doing something that makes me feel connected to the people that I love. Those are my like non-negotiables. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, and all those things are very doable and very, yeah. like anyone can do and it's all free, which is so amazing. Exactly. And that's, I would say my like things that like seem non-negotiables are very similar. Whereas like, I think sleep is, you need to prioritize that. It's so crazy, but it like affects everything in your life. Like it affects your diet. Like if you're not sleeping yes. well enough, you're not going to make good food choices. Yeah. You're not going to have the energy to, you know, do your work, yeah. hang out with your friends, mm-hmm. do things like that. You just don't think clearly. Mm-hmm. And so I've learned that the importance of that over the past few years. And also I agree, like I wake up like, and I like that whole gentle morning routine. Like I'll spend time with and like praying or something like to get mm-hmm. me like on a slow start and then I'll do something like form of movement. And then I also think just being out in nature, like I try to get out, especially working remotely, just going on a walk, seeing friends, doing yeah. something where I interact with people, yeah. I think is really important. Yeah, that's great. And like you said, those are all, those are like general starting points that I like check in with people about anyways. And those are usually my first suggestions. And like you said, they don't require much in terms of like financial resources of course, like it's time. And for some people, it's really hard to make shifts depending on the amount of time they have accessible for self-care. But those are things that I think everyone could benefit from for sure. Definitely. And so during COVID, I feel like especially I got really into podcasts, like just like listening, not, I mean, like wellnessy, but also just like fun podcasts. But do you have any favorite like wellness or fun podcast that like you always listen to? I've been listening to, um, oh, I'm going to forget the name, but this uh, podcaster, she is a naturopathic doctor. I, I think it's called Drop It Like It's Doc, which is a play on words, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cute. She, she's very animated in how she takes you through um, like the systems of your body and, and things that we may experience. Um, this is not health and wellness related, but I love the something was wrong podcast. It's like almost true crimey, a little psychological, not really what we're talking about today, but I will throw it out there. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I love fun podcasts. I've actually seen this some, or something was off. You said something was wrong. Something was wrong. I've seen that come up on like my podcast of like, it's like one of the top charts. I feel like yeah, one yeah, of those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so maybe I'll check that out. I feel like I'm not into the crime stuff because it like freaks me out. But That's probably heard... a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the last two questions I always like to end on is the first being, what's something you do every day that brings you joy? Um, let me see if I can give you a different answer than what I already gave in terms of like my dog. Um, <laughs> and time outside. Obviously, spending time doing some kind of yoga practice and some days it's not – anything physical. Some days it's journaling or reading or taking time in stillness. I was just talking with another yoga teacher friend about this. I'm at this like stage where fun doesn't have to be like exciting for me anymore. Like fun is more things that are like peaceful. 
and that bring me calm. So anything that's mellow and chill that involves time outside or with the people that I love, um, or even, like I said, just in silence with a book or with my journal, those have been like very helpful tools right now. Yeah, no, I love that. <laughs> and what is your favorite quote or piece of advice? Um, I always come back to something that my grandma would say. She would sign her cards with something like, she would put like 20 bucks in it and be like, spend this money on something that makes you happy and healthy, but in that order. And she would, she would say that a lot, like happy and then healthy. And maybe that sounds kind of like contradictory to being a health coach, but to me, it's more of a reminder that without focusing on your stress, your connection, your joy, then the health part is going to suffer. And you can't, you can't just like heal your physical body without also addressing your mental and emotional. So it's my, it's just my reminder to look at things holistically in my life and then with the people that I work with. Yeah. Oh my, I love that. That's amazing. I, I completely agree. I think you can't be healthy unless you're happy. Like yeah. they kind of go hand in hand. So I think that's such a great quote. Yeah. You really can't, if there's something you're trying to like quote heal, your body can't do it from a dysregulated place. So we need our nervous systems to be nice and at ease if we're going to try to like tackle any health goals that we might have. Definitely. Well, before I let you go, if you want to let everyone know where they can find you. Yes. Um, so website is super easy. It's just my name, Jess Noriga. That's J-E-S-S-N-O-R-E-I-G-A. People like to flip that. Um, dot com. And then on Instagram, it's at imperfectly underscore underscore well. It's the name of my blog. And then that kind of just became the Instagram handle at imperfectly well. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It was great talking with you. 